Welcome to All Things Sleep and Parenting. I'm Pam. And I'm Elisa. We are holistic infant and child sleep consultants with a background in early childhood education. And we're the founders of Restful Parenting. And I'm Heidi. I'm also an early childhood educator and the owner of Blossom Early Learning. Join us as we chat all things sleep, parenting, development, and everything in between. Be sure to hit subscribe and share with your friends and family. Hello, 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 and welcome back to this week's episode. As always, I have Lisa. She doesn't want to talk today. Hi, Lisa. Hi. Oh, there she is. She does want to talk today. And as always, I am Pam, and we are your Restful Parenting team. Uh, we have another a great tip today. This is one that comes at me quite often because we work with families who are working on sleep, right? We help families teach the little ones how to fall asleep get great naps, get great overnight sleep on board, night weaning, all the stuff that happens with sleep. And one of the hardest things that can happen when we're teaching sleep is those little cat naps in between naps. And this can happen even when you're not working on sleep, but those little cat naps in between your scheduled quote unquote naps really can make such a mess of your day that, you know, five minutes of of catnap of kind of like that crash can really either derail a whole nap time or it can really just put quite a big wrench into your bedtime causing a lot of you know maybe some more upset but just a lot of the really struggling to fall asleep so we have a couple of tips for our little guys who in between those naps if you're starting to see them catnap what you can do to ensure that you're getting those naps at home So in general, our goal is, you know, if we're going to be out and about, our goal when it comes to sleep is to try and aim for like 80% of their naps at home and their sleep at home in that sleep space. Give them that chance to get a great sleep. We know that sleep on the go keeps them in a less deep sleep and more fragmented sleep. And so we do want to encourage that nice full sleep cycle, that deep sleep cycle um, and getting that sleep that they really need during the day. So our goal is kind of 80-20, of those naps at home as much as we can. So there's a couple of different scenarios. If you're a little one, if you're like out and about and nap is, you know, 10 minutes away, but you're still, you know, half an hour from home and, and, and they do fall asleep in the car on the way home, or if you're walking home, whatever it may be, You may decide to just be like, okay, this is just going to be the nap. I'm not going to, we're not going to do 10 minutes in the car and then I'm going to try and transfer them. Transferring can, transferring is dicey. Some babies can transfer really well and easily. Other babies are like, nope, that 10 minutes in the car. And then you try to transfer me. I am not sleeping again. So you want to make that decision. Am I keeping them awake to get us home or are we just doing the nap? Like if we're on our way home, if they fall asleep in the car, Most of my children do not transfer well. So if they fell asleep in the car, we were in the car. Like we, I would sit in the driveway, ideally again, without motion. So I would sit in the driveway and back in the day when we didn't have our phones, like we do now, they weren't smartphones. um, I would bring a book and I would be able to read uh, kind of while they napped. So if you're not going to be able to make it home or you're feeling like, oh, I'm just going to have to it's better sometimes to just let them nap in that space and just do the nap like that. Yeah, this works okay if they're on two naps a day because Mm -hmm. then you know that they're going to have another nap to fall back on later. So if if this nap is short, then it's not the end of the world. Exactly. The other option, if they're on one nap a day and they fell asleep for, you know, 10 minutes on the way home, well, we know they're probably not going to transfer into their own 
cribs at that time, it's it might be early for an actual nap. So the other thing that you can do is just get them up as soon as you get home, carry on with a part of your day. Let's say they nap at 1230 usually. And it's 12 and you're home now and they've had a 10 minute little cat nap. You're not going to want to put them directly back to sleep after that 10 minute cat nap because they will not go to sleep at that point. So what you do is you carry on with your day, you give them their lunch, you play for a little bit, and then you put them down maybe a slightly later than they normally would. You can see how tired they are at their regular 1230. If they don't seem tired at all, then maybe wait an extra 15 minutes, put them down at 1245 for that day. And then you know that they have a, a better opportunity of actually falling asleep. But if they fell asleep for 10 minutes and then you get them up, bring them into the house and try to put them down directly after that, there is no way that your baby is going to fall back asleep because even that 10 minute little cat nap gave them enough oomph to be awake for a little bit longer. Our little ones that are on, you know, multiple naps a day, you may find, especially if you're on like four naps a day, if you're little, little, little guys, um, you're going to have naps on the go regardless. I, again, the goal there is to just try and keep them um, motionless as much as possible. But if you've got a little one who's like on that schedule, three naps a day and two naps a day, but even if you're on three naps a day, um, that, you know, five, 10 minutes of sleep can really interfere. It's a lot harder to kind of push that nap and then push the next nap. And um, that can kind of interfere a little bit. So our overall is just try and keep them awake. And <laughs> this can look like a very different for a lot of different families. Um, but if you're like out walking and taking them, if they're starting to kind of get drowsy, you know, taking them out of the stroller and holding them. And maybe we're pointing out birds and we're looking around or you're pushing the stroller for five minutes with one hand while you're holding them. If you've only got one little one, um, you know, you're, you're kind of getting them up and exposing them to the fresh air, to brighter light, that kind of stuff. I'm trying to get them at, at least as close to home so that you can zip in and do your kind of quick routine and into bed from there. Yeah. It's work to keep them awake, but it's worth it for sure. Yeah. And it's easier when you're walking than it is when you're driving, because of course, we don't want you to get into any accidents trying to keep your little one awake in the car, but there are some things that you can do to try and keep them awake and try to just re-stimulate them, like Pam said, so that it buys you an extra five minutes before they're starting to doze off again mm -hmm. um, what you can do there is just to have a bag of toys in your, the front seat of your car and you can just pass them a toy back every minute or every couple of minutes so that new simulation new simulation new yeah simulation. <laughs> exactly turn the music up a little bit louder sing do those things but again make sure that you're not taking your concentration yes. off of the road. Obviously it can be stressful. If they do fall asleep at the end of that, it's not the end of the world and it's okay. You either do the nap in the car and then do the rest of their sleep at home in their sleep space, or you get them up after that five, 10 minute nap and then do their regular nap at home, maybe slightly later than they normally would have so that they can have some playtime in between and it's going to be okay. The one thing you want to keep in mind is that when you're first starting sleep coaching, let's say you, 
you've decided I'm going to teach my little one how to fall asleep in their own sleep space. Then you're going to want to try to plan activities that are close to home for that first two to three weeks of sleep coaching. Because what you don't want is those different sleep environments during that really critical phase of teaching them how to fall asleep on their own. It's one thing to do it once because, you know, you had a doctor's appointment or something like that, but on a regular basis for at least two to three weeks, you want to try to stay close to home so that you're avoiding them falling asleep somewhere else in between sleep periods. Now, of course, with a little one, like four months or five months, you have a little bit more leeway there than you do with say an 11 month old baby because they are more aware of their surroundings. So they're going to notice, okay, well, I had this nap here today, and then I'm supposed to sleep in my crib for the next day. And then we're on the go again for the other day. That's just too much variation for them. And they're not going to know what you're trying to teach them. They're not going to know what to do because they're in different sleep environments every day. So that's one guideline if you are doing sleep coaching. Now, after you've done sleep coaching, if you do any on the go sleep or, you know, your little one is falling asleep sometimes in the car on the way home from somewhere, try to keep that minimal so that it's not happening every day, because that is what can derail sleep after you've done sleep coaching is too much variation again in their sleep environment. So it's about finding that balance and knowing that sometimes you have to get out to play groups. Absolutely. We want them to socialize. We want to socialize. Who wants to stay at home all day, every day, right? So we know that those playgroups or those activities or going to the store is important for our mental health and their mental health. But it's about finding that balance with not doing that every day if your baby has a tendency to fall asleep in between those sleep periods in the car or stroller. That was awesome, Elisa. Thank you so much. You're very welcome, everybody. And as usual, if you would like that guidance and to have that support as you work through sleep, sleep challenges of any kinds, teaching your little one how to fall asleep on their own, we are here to give you a plan and support you daily so that you can ensure that success. Absolutely. And if you're in Ontario, in case you haven't heard, uh, we have teamed up with Jennifer Tan and Associates with the North Bay Counseling Services. And we are able to, uh, through our connection, be able to help families even more uh, with their sleep and parenting that may be covered through benefits through social worker. This partnership with Jen has been absolutely phenomenal. And we've been able to bring our families so much more knowledge and expertise. Jen's been able to help our families as needed as well. And it's just been such a great um, partnership. It really has. Thank you. Uh, And we're very fortunate to have it. And we're very fortunate to be able to offer uh, that your packages may be covered. So don't hesitate to reach out restfulparenting.com, Pam and Elisa, and we will absolutely get back to you and help you out as much as we can. Thank you. Bye. Thanks for joining us on today's episode. We so appreciate that you've taken that time to come and hang out with us and listen to what we have to say. 
if you are struggling with sleep or parenting, please know that we have loads of free information on the website um, as well as on the YouTube channel. But if after you've read through everything and you've watched those videos, if you're still struggling, know that you're not alone and that we would love to help. So be sure to check out the website, www.restfulparenting.com. You'll find the link to book your free 15-minute call right there. And if you have any comments or anything you'd like to share with us, please leave them below in the comments. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks.